Welcome to the Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential entrepreneurs. And I mean really personal. Today, I had Dr. Elise Rigney, and she is a super successful chiropractor, super mom, and most importantly, an incredible human being and a beautiful advocate for chiropractic. And the thing that stood out for me, and you're going to see this in this conversation today, is um, how easily she was able to pivot in different things that came up in her life and also got reminded of the importance of the thought processes or belief systems that we subscribe to as she shares her story. I won't go into too much detail about her story. I'll let her share with you. But um, and when you watch and you listen, you'll see what I'm talking about. But let me expand on this particular concept just for a second, because it is important and um, so important that I have training, specific training sessions just on this topic inside of Elevate Club. Most of us kind of walk around and we subscribe to a certain belief system and that would be fine if we picked it and we were particular about it and we were intentional about it. But obviously that's not the case. Not only that, but we also don't even question it. We don't, we just kind of believe it. And then therefore all of our behaviors are driven by that thought process that we are subscribed to. Um, we also, another layer to that, we also focus too much on what is right and what is wrong. And here's what I wanna share with you today before we go into this interview. Um, what if you didn't care about who's right and who's wrong? And of course, I don't mean go out there and hurt people and do all the kinds of wrong things. But what I'm saying though, conceptually, what if it wasn't about being right or wrong? What if it had more to do with subscribing, intentionally subscribing to a thought process or a belief system that could take you farther, faster? Like a thought process that you intentionally picked out that was going to be good for you, that was gonna move you uh, towards the direction that you want to go to. Anyways, I'll just leave you with that. If this resonates with you, check out the Elevate Club. I'm sure the link is in here somewhere. You can go to elevate.me. It's spelled E-L-I-V-A-T.me. I know you're gonna love today's episode with uh, Elise because I, I love her, you're gonna love her. So make sure you subscribe and you engage and listen all the way to the end. All right, well, hello everybody and welcome to Secrets, Secret Lives of Chiropractors. And today I'm so, so excited because I've got Dr. Elise here and um, she is one of my favorite female chiropractors. She is, um, she's got a couple of rockin' chiropractic clinics in Colorado. And um, she's got her entire team, I believe, are female. And yeah. she specializes in spinal correction, prenatal, pediatric. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, which she's going to touch on her, her practices and how amazing and incredible they are, she also runs a 90-day business mentorship and mastermind for high-level chiropractors called Cairo Intensive. Um, she yes. also is the current title holder for Mrs. Fort Collins, which is really, really cool. 
And she's grown her team and she's got multiple associate doctors. She knows her stuff when it comes down to associates and teams. She's got all kinds of certifications, including ICPA and a whole bunch of other things. Um, She is a mom and a wife. She's just an all-around awesome person. She's spoken on various stages. We both just spoke at Mile High together, and she's been all over the world speaking on all kinds of chiropractic and non-chiropractic stages, and so I'm super excited to have her. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. When I told my team I was doing this interview, it was so cute. One of the CAs who's going to be going to chiropractic school. She was at mile high and she was like, Oh my gosh, I have a girl crush on her. (laughs) So sweet. That is sweet. Thank you for telling me. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, So Elise, we um, are going to get a little personal today. You ready? Yes, absolutely. All right. So the first question I want to ask you is what was Elise like when she was like five? or six? What were you like? What was your child? Maybe give us a little bit of a glimpse of what your life was like then. And then how that maybe shaped you into who you are today. How did, how did that kind of um, add into or contributed to you as a successful entrepreneur, this just kick-ass person that you are? Yeah. Well, five-year-old Elise, just as a child in general, I was in a family where as a child, I thought I was the oldest child. I'll start with that. It was myself and it was my sister who was 16 months younger than me. And I'll get to that in just a second. But um, so I was the oldest child in a lot of ways. Like I was the first to do everything, right? Um, and we moved around a lot as a child. So I moved 11 times. Mm. And so I'd start new schools and I'd have to, I'd, I'd be in small schools. Like one of the schools, I had like 30 kids in my grade. And then I'd get to a big school with like 250 kids in my grade. And just moved a lot and had a lot of transitions as a child. My dad was kind of like a serial entrepreneur, but never like hit it big in one area. Um, So he was always kind of chasing that next thing, which was definitely a big part of like what motivated me to be an entrepreneur. He was the only entrepreneur in all of our family, like grandparents, aunts, uncles, everyone. And so it definitely inspired me to see that I had the ability to go off and take risks and start things on my own. Um, but as a child, I mean, I, I was, grew up poor. I'll just say it was very poor. I remember one year my parents made a combined income of $9,000 and even the houses. Yeah. Even the houses we lived at, I mean, I know it was a different time, but we got a house with like 40 acres for $40,000. And so what my dad did was like chunk off the acreages and then sold those off where people could build houses on them. So my dad was always like, a forward thinker in, in those sorts of ways, Uh, just an idea, idea generator, I would say. But as a child, I, you know, if I wanted to do something, I had to pay for it. So Mm -hmm. if I wanted to be, be in a sport, I had to pay for it. Even when I got older, if I wanted a letterman's jacket, a class ring, anything like a sweatshirt for the volleyball team with my name on it, I had to be the one to pay for it. So that got me working as soon as I possibly could. Like at five, I was picking rock. I grew up on a farm so farmers would pay us to come pick rock in the field. I don't know if you've heard of picking rock before, but that's what you do uh-huh. when you're a kid. Oh yeah, you pick rock and you got paid. Yeah, you got paid. It was like a couple dollars an hour, or you could get paid for how much rock you picked. So you'd count how many rocks you picked, and then you get paid for that amount. I know it's yeah, 
farm kid. Anyone who's listening who's a farm kid knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, then as I got older, you know, I started babysitting. And then back then that was $1 per kid per hour. So if you were babysitting three kids, you got $3 an hour. So just so funny when you look at what we pay for childcare these days, I'm like, what in the world? And I cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're underpaid, underpaid now. I, I'm like, wow. But then, um, then I got my first like W2 job at the age of 12, which I had to have like parental, uh, write-off for or whatever, like signing for in the state of Minnesota. And I was a grocery store clerk. And so I started doing that. And that was before they had scanners. I had to like punch in the sticker price. And then, um, then once I was 15 or 14, I started working in a restaurant. We had moved again. So each time I moved, it was kind of like an opportunity for a new job. And when I got into the restaurant industry, I was like, this is freaking amazing. Like I have unlimited earning potential. Like you can get wow service and get, you know, you never know what you're going to get for a tip. Sometimes people are extremely generous or around the holidays, like you have connections with regulars and they just like treat you really well. And it was just, and it provided a lot of freedom. Money provided a lot of freedom for me because all of a sudden I went from being a kid who grew up with like my only clothes were from Goodwill or garage sales to like, now I have, now I'm a server. Now I'm taking home cash at night and I can go to like the the cool store when I was, you know, in the small town was Vanity or Maurice's. I'd go get like cool pants and cool clothes. And it was just like so neat to finally get to like, you know, just have the things that I had dreamed of, even though they are small things looking back now, but it was really big things back then. So yeah, that's what kind of led me into like, there's a, there's always been a huge appreciation for little things. And, um, yeah. Yep. That's, that's interesting because I've, I've been interviewing a lot this past week. That's why I look like this showed up like this. That's why I was late today. (laughs) to our call. You are good. (laughs) Um, every single, as you know, the guests that I've brought on the show, they have all been massively successful entrepreneurs and chiropractors. And every time this topic has come up about childhood, there has always been some kind of a struggle, which I get it. Everybody has stuff Mm -hmm. from their childhood. Not everybody's parents are perfect. All of the things having poverty be, uh, you know, coming close to that getting in touch with poverty, what it feels like not to have something is a really good, big drive for a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, like the typical story is what you slept in your car and then now you are right. So it's interesting to to watch that, have that be a commonality in everybody. Now, do you feel like um, that drove you to the success that you have? Would you consider that as like the cornerstone of what you have? I would say so. I would say for a long time, it wasn't a healthy thing though. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of fear. Like I was successful because I was, the, I feared the opposite. Oh. I knew what that was like. And so it was like, it, I wouldn't say it was a healthy motivation, but it was the motivation I needed. And I also mm-hmm. never had anyone I could rely back on. Like I couldn't fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't, I, yeah, I just couldn't go to, there was no one I could go to, to get financial help. If I didn't succeed, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of people have someone in their life. Not, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but some people have other people in their life, like a spouse or, um, a family member or someone that they could go, if they really got in a bad financial place, who could maybe help bail them out. For me, it was like, there's no one, there was no one. And so, yeah, it was kind of like that, like feast or famine or like, you're just, 
there was no, no bailout option. So I think that drove me to like, you have no option, but to succeed. So when I opened up impact chiropractic, Mm -hmm. it was the first month I was profitable and it was like, because I had to be, do you know what I mean? There was just no other option, but in order to open up impact, what was interesting. And I've told this story a couple other times, but I wasn't able to get financial. I wasn't able to get a loan. I had an amazing business plan that I spent like all of chiropractic school writing. I was a CA before going to chiropractic school. So I really had a good feel of all positions of the business and then got in, you know, then learned how to be a chiropractor. So uh, when I bring my business plan to banks, they were like, this is one of the best business plans I've ever seen. And then they'd go to bat for me. And then, you know, they'd come back and be like, like we had no income. My husband didn't have a job. My husband was going to help me open up the office as my CA. And so we just did not look good on paper at all coming out with all those student loans. And the way that I finally got a loan was actually my dad, who was like the truly the only one in my family who believed in me. Like everyone else was like, why don't you just go work for someone else? And I don't see why you'd open up your own business, like all of those thought processes. And so my dad was like, well, let me talk to my banker. Mm-hmm. So he talked because my dad didn't have the financial means to help me, but my dad had a farm. And yeah. so he was able to leverage our cattle on our farm. Mm-hmm. And so the banker gave me a line of credit against the cattle in order to be able to go open up impact chiropractic. And it was a small amount, like it was peanuts compared to what people open up practices for, but it was, it was what I needed. It got me by and it allowed, you know, laid that foundation for me to continue to build throughout the years. So yeah. That is so cool. That's such a cool story. I love that. Um, you know, Irene Gold. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Irene Gold. So Irene Gold told me a story about, and I'm going to have her on the show too, but she told me a story about how when she went to go get a loan, now get this, they didn't give her a loan. They wouldn't even look at her paperwork, look her at her business plan or anything like that. They told her, we're not going to give you a loan because you're female. Like, wow. Walk out. You're female. You can't have a business. And so oh my she gosh. tried that multiple times and they wouldn't give her a loan. So finally she goes in, she gets her husband's. So she, she, she was married at the time. She could have easily had her husband come and co-sign or have him take a loan. But she was like, no, I was like, I'm going to get this loan. I'm going to be the, the female entrepreneur. That's going to open up this business and this practice. My husband does his own thing. So <laughs> She goes kind of a roundabout way. She goes and she gets her um, husband's car and she puts that as collateral and she's able to get a loan. And then eventually wow. they start to get, can you imagine that? Like you walk in no. the and they're like, nope, not giving you a loan because you're female. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I mean, and that just shows how much progress we've made right there too. That, but also that wasn't that long ago either. Yeah. Yeah. She's 80. She probably, that was probably like you know, say 60 years ago, 50 years ago or something like that. Right. That's yeah. an example. So the farm, yeah. So the farm came in handy, the cattle yeah. and having your business. Yep. Now, what is, um, what's like a funny story that people tell about you, that your family like tells about you either from your childhood or as an adolescent? Oh my gosh. I mean, I have, my dad always told this story. So I just lost my dad in 2020 and he was definitely like, a huge support system for me, of course. And he lived with me. He lived with us for a while too, before the pandemic. And, um, he always, he always liked to talk about how stubborn I was. Right. And so he said, as like a young child, I was like, I must've been like three or four or something. 
And there was a dog across the street and I kept calling it a blue dog. And they're like, this dog isn't blue, it's brown or whatever. And I was like, no, it's a blue dog. And I just, I was so adamant on the color. Like this is a blue dog. And, and they were like, "Eh, actually it's not. And then I was like, fine, it's green then. And like, that was it. And he was like, you've always been so stuck. Like no one was going to convince you otherwise. And you were like stubborn as a child. And I definitely might still have some of those tendencies, but (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's not that funny of a story, but I'm like the fact you're so like set on something that is just not what it is. It's yeah. But I guarantee that, especially as you get older, like that comes in handy to have persistence in entrepreneurship is huge, right? Because yeah. You know, like, okay, this could fail, or if I try hard enough, or if I push hard enough, or if I do it consistent enough, then I'm going to get results. So that's stubborn. Right. What's your sign? Libra. Libra. Are they supposed to be? I know Taurus is a really. Don't know. Every time it's funny because my friend just left this morning and she's a coach and does like, not cut, what's that called? Astrology. I was going to say cosmetology, not the same, but and every time someone tells me stuff, I'm like, yes, totally. Or even like human design. I'm like, yes, that's so me. And then when I go to repeat something, I'm like, I don't know what they said, but it sounded really good. Like, and same thing with signs. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally a Libra. I don't remember anything about a Libra. Okay. So since we're on this conversation, you're going to have, do you know what time you were born? Yes. Okay. Have you ever looked up your, your rising sign? Okay. That's what she was just talking to me about. No, I haven't. I need to. So you need to look at your rising sign and it will matter if like, so for example, I was born at uh, noon, exactly at 12 o'clock noon. And my friend who does the the rising signs, he was trying to figure out what my rising sign was and he had input at the wrong time. And it was like 11 AM. It's like one hour off but it can actually give you the completely wrong uh, rising sign. So he's reading it to me and we're both kind of like, that doesn't sound like you, right? Or that doesn't sound like me. And then he looked back at the input that he had put in there and he's like, oh, wait a second. You said noon, I put in 11. So he puts 12. And then all of a sudden, literally everything he's reading is exactly describing me. So and better than the, the regular sign of a Capricorn. So better than what a Capricorn would look like. So look at that. That's up. so cool. Yeah. Isn't it like your rising moon and your sun? Like there's a moon and sun or something oh, like that. I got it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Chart. I don't know anything about it. I just know it was accurate. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Tell me this, Elise. What, um, what pisses you off? Like what upsets you? Oh my gosh. I think like the concept of time... I know that sounds weird, but I'm like, I think that is one of my biggest struggles is like, my vision is so big. And then yet I'm like, all I want to do is just hang out with my kids and my husband. And I go from like, I want to change the world to like, but I really want to do this. And then I see this happening out in the world. That's so not okay. How can I make that change? Will I have enough time to do that? Like, it's just like time. Sometimes I can feel like we're on the spot, but then at the same time, I'm like, time doesn't exist. And we've made up time. You know, it's like, I get so frustrated or pissed off about like time. (laughs) That might sound ridiculous, but I'm like the time that it takes to maybe complete or do something or participate in something. Just, I have a lot of FOMO with time too. You have like urgency with time. Yes. Yes. Probably why you're successful. Absolutely. 
but I don't want to like sacrifice, you know, there's times where I've seen, like, I just hustle, hustle, hustle for so many years. And I sacrificed my health, Mm -hmm. always putting success or my, even my family or my team, whatever it is above myself. Mm -hmm. And so it is like, yes, time has been a good, it's been a good motivator for me. But at the same time, I'm like, well, my time is going to be shortened if I don't take care of myself. Like in the grand scheme of things, if I keep putting everyone else first or business first or whatever it is beyond myself, well, it doesn't really matter (laughs) if I just shorten my life. Right. That is true. We just got to find a way to collapse time. Like all these, all these things, all these visions that you have for your business, for your life, for your, for your family, everything else. We just need to like make them happen right now in this like linear time. Yes. Yep. Right. Yeah. I know. Totally. (laughs) So, um, let's see if you, this is what I really wanted to know because when I brought it up to you, you gave me something that was interesting, uh, interesting twist on this question that I always ask Elise, what is your morning routine like? Yes. And so start with the morning. What do you do? And then run me through the whole day. Okay. What's the day yeah. life for Elise look like? Well, I'll pre-frame. I have a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Yeah. And a dog, a needy <laughs> dog. Um, and my day, I have let go of the morning routine. I will say from, I make sure I don't schedule too much in the morning now that I kind of have a whole shifted schedule now that I don't see patients anymore. But um, my morning routine is pretty focused around the family. Mm -hmm. And my husband is really the primary when it comes to like drop-offs with our kids, but our kids go like 20 to 30 minutes away from our house to different like schools or activities and that sort of stuff. So the morning, it's like, even when I used to try to do the 5am wake up, my son might be up 20 minutes after that. So you just never know what time things are happening in our household and when you will actually get my time to be my time. So I really shifted it to be a nighttime routine. And also I am a night owl. So if you have ever done like your chronotype, have you heard of chronotyping? I I have, but I haven't done mine. Oh, so there's like four. Yeah. There's like four chronotypes and it'll tell you, like you take a simple little test online and it'll tell you what yours is. And I'm more of like a night owl, which I don't think is called an owl. It's called like not a bear. I don't know what it's called, but I'm the one that the bear, the lion, the something and something dolphin. I don't even know. I I can't remember, but I'm the night owl. I'm the one who stays up late. And so I've just really embraced that over time. So just to kind of take you order of events through my day. So morning is again, primarily my husband. Usually I get to sleep a little bit. I'm the second one up. He's the first one up. And then I, my duties are pretty minimal, like help with my daughter's hair. Like she'll want certain braids or pigtails. And maybe help like fill water bottles and get that basic stuff ready. Yeah. Um, if I go straight into like, then I might start getting myself ready and go into calls or meetings or that sort of stuff. Um, otherwise, sometimes I'll try to get my meditation in in the morning too. At that mm-hmm. time, once everyone's out the out the door, it just kind of depends what else I have. I time block. Yeah. Um, I'm really strict with like my time at clinics. So I come to the Fort Collins Clinic on Mondays and Wednesdays, um, and I go to the Loveland Clinic which I don't work in. That's our newest clinic. I go there for an hour to meet with my business partner there Monday mornings. So Monday mornings, I'm at the Loveland clinic. Then I had to our Fort Collins clinic. We have team training, which I'm not at team training because I've been at Loveland, but I have team leads who lead all of that. And then we go into our team meeting every week. And then we've got 
this period from two to six that are adjusting hours where I make sure I'm present in the office. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have like KPI meetings or different meetings like that with the team, but just kind of handling business stuff, being here, connecting. And then, um, yeah. And then I do something somewhat similar, just a little bit shorter on a Wednesday where I'm meeting with my senior associate doc or the leadership team, um, marketing meeting once a month, just attending meetings and then going into the afternoon shift. So my Monday and Wednesdays, I try to make sure I'm always in Fort Collins and then other, other, um, appointments I might have on top of this. Like I go and I have um, network chiropractic care too. I'm on a care plan there. I just try to stack things that happen in this town before or after that. So if I'm going, yeah, getting any service, it's like before or after those shifts too in Fort Collins. So just really try to stack and time block as we go. And then, um, other days, like when Cairo intensive starts, which is in fourth quarter, I'm on zoom a lot. Yeah. So that's kind of taking up, making sure I have a quiet, peaceful place and space to have all the Zoom calls and all of that. So time blocking out my day. And then at night, we always do family dinner together. And then my nighttime routine. So we usually start to get the kids. Now we have a house with a pool. We bought a house as a pool. So nice. everything looks different in the summer and we're like swimming. And then it's like, okay, everyone's going to take a bath or shower. Just getting the kids all together, all, all ready for bed. And then once the kids are in bed, that's like my husband and I have some time together, but then like my nighttime routine, since I'm a night owl is I can stay up. I mean, I can stay up till midnight. No problem. I would like to get to bed by midnight is usually my goal. So usually from about 10 to midnight is like my time where I have a biomat. So I lay out a biomat. I've got red light therapy. I usually will pour like either tea or magnesium and sip that light a candle, light some incense, pull a card. I'm very woo woo. Mm. Um, and then usually I've been working on like a program of some sort. So whether it's more like inner work, like inner child or shadow work, um, I've been doing some like safety meditations. Um, I just make sure I'm doing something focused there with journaling prompts. If it's around a moon, I might do like a new moon, new moon, um, ceremony. I, I do that with friends once a month anyways, but I might do something more related to that too. Yeah. Or Mercury's in retrograde. Like I just, I don't understand or know all this stuff, but I always try to like follow it. And I'm like, that's a great journal prompt. Let's do it. If I'm going to manifest that this month, let's do it. That's so right. I just kind of bring that in. I journal. I also um, love planning. So I use this whole planner where I always get my annual goals done business wise. But then when I chunk down personal, it's a lot of like quarterly and then I move it to monthly, move it to weekly. And I have like needle movers and I just make sure that I'm like keeping track of, yeah, especially like my family time, because it's yeah. really easy for me to work on business, business, career, vision, new goals that are more work oriented or like wealth building yeah. investments, that sort of stuff. It's really easy for me to just spend time there where I need to make sure I've got like the self-care, the health care, like fitness yeah. and everything to meal prepping and my time with my family. Yeah. So it's like making sure I've got like a checklist each week where it's like, okay, I want to do one date per week with each kid. Did I do that? Yep. I did this one on Monday. I was with Sloan on Wednesday. I was, you know, went to the library with Stella on Tuesday. Like I can go through and kind of check and be like, yes, yeah. I, you know, I'm being intentional with my time and time block that in too. Um, and so I do all of that at night. I do all of my planning at night and it just like sets me and gets me ready for the rest of the day or the week. What if it's Sunday for the week? And then it helps me like reassess my goals too. So I love doing all of that stuff right after I get kind of the woo woo out of the way. I would not out of the way, but like, otherwise I would just plan, right. I would be planning and it'd be like oh, I, one in the morning and I'd be like, I, I should have meditated. That. 
Yeah, I sort of, I I love that. I love the the nighttime routine. I know a lot of people that have like a morning routine and then they do some kind of a decompressing. What is it called when you like chill out your kids before they go to sleep? You wind them down. Yeah. <laughs> some kind of a process to do that, but like it's interesting because yours is so different. You're doing your focus is heavily on like a nighttime routine. Yes. I love the woo. Are you kidding? I have a whole membership called Elevate uh Club and and all we talk about is the woo. That's like my other side. So it's so I think it's so important. I just had a reading last week in Boulder and she was like, you do, I don't know how she said it, but something like you do a lot of inner work, but you don't show that in your professional persona. She said, you've got two separate, like, um, not personalities, but beings. And she's like, I want to see you start to like combine them because that to me is really the secret sauce in a lot of ways, like is addressing like that five-year-old Elise and like going back and and talking to her and giving her the love she needed and like integrating the ugly quote unquote parts of you that could be yeah. your shadow that you're fearful that you always hide. It's like, you got to integrate that and show, show up as this full person, you know, and not a persona. So I definitely think that's like, that is, that's been like my game changer over the last year, year and a half was getting in and doing that work. Cause I've done like therapy. I've done other, other, um, I don't know, I guess you could say supports in that sort of way, but it was really the inner child and shadow that was what I personally needed. And Joe Dispenza work. I did the Joe Dispenza seven day retreat and um, bring in his meditations. His, I think that's why morning routines haven't worked great for me besides the fact of having kids and like it getting interrupted. If I get interrupted in a meditation, it's like, I'm almost like just grumpy. It's like, (laughs) I have an itch that didn't get scratched. And now I go the whole day, like, I didn't get to like complete the cycle or it's like when you get woke up over and over at night and you're like, I never got like into REM. That's how I feel. And so the morning routine feels like it's got a cap on it too, where it's like, okay, but you got to go get ready at this time because you need to be here where nighttime I'm like, I've got all the time in the world. And that's like a great mantra for me is I do have all the time in the world. Like time is, you know, yeah. so nighttime routine is my thing. And it allows me to like set myself up on good, like habit stacking too. And even that's my focus time for like, this might sound kind of silly, but like skincare and going through and like, if I want to do like gua sha routine or, um, like fully my dental care is that time where I'm actually flossing in the morning. I don't take the time to floss and hair routine and wearing like a satin hair thing. And I do like a sock curl and like, I've got a routine at night where it's like, if I get all that done, it's like, it just feels good. You know, like you feel totally ready. Yeah, I I kind of wish I listening to you going over your nighttime routine. I wish I was a night owl because my kids wake up super early and then I yeah. have to wake up. I actually do have a morning routine. I wake up at four just to be able to get oh, my, my I know, I know it's rough. And I go to bed at like <laughs> but if I had a nighttime routine, then I would have all this time after the kids go to sleep because you can only wake up so early, right? Like I yeah. can if I wanted more time, I'd have to wake up before four. Like, no, not doing that. Right. But if I was a night owl, it's like, oh, well, I could just, the kids go to sleep at like eight or seven or eight. And so then I have all this other time. All right. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So let's get into, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Give me like super rapid answers. Okay, um, cool. Do you have a childhood nickname? And if so, what is it? My childhood nickname was Squeak. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's that's super cute. Um, what kind of car do you drive? I drive a Range Rover Sport 
HSE, it's 525 horsepower. So that's a fast one. Ooh, nice. Sporty. Yeah. And um, what kind of student were you when you were in school? Like an A student? A C? I'm, I'm going to guess. Well, I won't guess. You tell me. Okay. Um, I was kind of like a, I would say I was a slacker in the sense that I would skip the classes I knew I could skip, but then I'd still get like A's or B's. Of course. Yeah. You yeah. Did. Of course you did. I really had to study for boards though. Like those were hard. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Couldn't wing that. <laughs> wing that one. Yeah. Um, I know we know what your first job was. You were collecting rocks and you got paid yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, what about where do you shop? Where do you grocery shop? Um, I don't. My husband's a chef, actually. So he went to culinary school. So I don't grocery shop at all. It kind of gives me anxiety when I do have to go in a grocery store because I don't know where things are anymore. L- awesome. So where do you guys grocery shop? Where does he go? So he goes, it depends what he's picking up. If it's like seafood and certain items, he goes to Whole Foods. Otherwise, um, there's natural grocers. And then um, some, we just got a Costco membership. It's Ooh. funny, like that took us forever to get a Costco membership. We're like, we don't eat that much. Now we're like, for the now kids. Now we're going to go to Costco like all the time, even for toilet paper, like, paper towels. Yeah, yeah. We order a lot of that online. Like, so we do a lot of delivery services too. So that's kind of nice, like our dog food and our paper towels. Anything that's really annoying to bring in from the car, we order online. <laughs> We're like, yeah, paper towels, toilet paper. So now, now that you have Costco membership and you know about online shopping, you can order toilet papers on, online at Costco. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You you can have it both. Um, we do a lot on like Thrive too. So Thrive yeah. is where we'll order a lot of stuff to the door too. Yeah. Awesome. And last question, who has been the biggest influence in your life? I would say my dad. I mean, he's the one I've mentioned the most in here too, but I would say my dad was my biggest influence yeah. um, overall. Like just because it was the only person I saw like entrepreneurism. Um, yeah. it, displayed by and he was truly the person who believed in me and my husband too like my husband is my biggest hype man supporter but I would say like the person I looked up to would be my would be my dad you could sense that in this conversation for yeah 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 yeah. you realize it more when you lose someone too I think at least for me it's like I feel closer to my dad since I lost him he shows up in so many different ways but it's also like wow I didn't realize like he was the first one to teach me this, or I know how to change a tire or change my oil, or I fixed blinds like the other day. And Rocky was like, how did you do? I'm like, that was my dad. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You don't yeah. realize all that until later. Yeah. Okay. And, um, last, very last question, Elise, uh, what are you up to these days? Like what, what projects are you working on? You mentioned Cairo intensive coming up. Um, and where can people connect with you or how can they connect with you? And we will put all the links in the show notes. So, um, feel free to connect with Elise, but yeah, tell us about what's new with you. Yeah. Cairo intensive is always, so that's always in fourth quarter, which I always look forward to. It's kind of like that ramp up time where I'm like just talking to chiropractors all the time throughout fourth quarter. And then we have a live event to end it. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, and then the other project that I'm just starting, it's like a baby project. I'm just starting to work on. I want to start a chiropractic school in Colorado. So right now I've been like making connections, doing zoom calls, getting like, I wouldn't say a board, not an official board together, but like, there's so much in, I can have the vision and the business side of things and like real estate and all of that sort of stuff. But it's like the credentialing and running a school and a nonprofit and all of that, that I need to get 
all the right people lined up with. But yeah, I've sent so many people to chiropractic school. We have uh, multiple CAs in chiropractic school and going to chiropractic school right now. And it's like, we just need one up here. We've got CSU, CU, UNC, all huge universities with big programs of interest into chiropractic that I'm like, we, we need a school and who doesn't live Colorado? Like if you had a chiropractic school in Colorado. Yeah. So if anyone has any background in education, thinks that this could be something you'd be a part of or know the right people or consultants, please feel free to reach out to me because this is something I know will be happening. Um, And I'm definitely not able to do this alone. I am just happy to be like that vessel that facilitates it, but it's not about me. It's about a much bigger purpose and how many lives we can truly impact when we have even more solid education and school and accessibility and philosophy and business provided in that school. And it's, there's just so much that I'm excited to, to offer and bring. I love that. And you know what? I have zero doubt in my mind that this is going to be just one great chiropractic school. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So if you guys have any connections, reach out to Elise, but also just reach out to her. She's accessible also on social media, I would say, right? You would yep. Just- yep. Yeah. If they messaged you. I'm right? big on Instagram. Yes. Yes. You can find me on Instagram, Rigney, and I'm on TikTok. I, yep. She's everywhere. She's me there. She's super helpful. She won't bite. Yeah. No, um, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you so, so much for giving me your time. I know between all the, all the businesses and all the practices and, and motherhood, like everything that you're starting at chiropractic school, everything that you're doing, your time's so precious as we talked about the concept of time. So I, I am super appreciative of you um, spending this time with me and it was, it was incredible getting to know you a little bit better today too. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this and thank you for all that you do for chiropractors as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, you guys heard it from Elise. Go get in touch with her and we will um, see you and talk to you at the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.